Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 50. Talk to someone, get these thoughts out of your head. You need to talk it out. I cannot emphasize that enough. Sometimes a message to someone's like, oh, thank God, I just had to vent about that and I'm done. But don't do it too much because if then you're venting too much, you're activating the DMN even more. So just enough, and you can even be disciplined to tell your friend, time me 10 minutes, I'm going to vent. My um, One of my mentors used to say, I'm giving you 15 minutes of BMW, bitch, moan and whine, go. <laughs> so I was like, okay, give me that BMW for 15 minutes. Let me take it for a ride. And it was like 15 minutes and then you're done. Any more than that, then you're feeding the demon. So, so don't yeah. do that. So yeah, talk it out, say it out loud. Just it's out of your chest, out of your head, just to just kind of offload all of this cognitive load that we constantly put on ourselves. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you are going through your journey. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. Today, my guest is Kathy, and we are actually going to talk about her ADHD journey, and then we are going to move into negative self-talk. That's one topic that we hear a lot about in the ADHD community. So I want to dive into that a little bit and talk about some tips and tricks on how we can manage that. All right. So Kathy, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much, Akini. Thank you for having me. What an exciting opportunity. Yay. You're so welcome. I'm excited for you to be here. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Oh, loaded question. (laughs) Where do you want me to start? Um, Sure. I'll start with, I'm an executive coach, an ADHD coach, went into the coaching side of things when I got my own diagnosis late in life with ADHD, which was a whole lot of different emotions. And finally, my whole life made sense. It was an explanation to who I am, which was the question that I always was in search of the answer for. I think most of my life, I'm like, who am I? What am I? And when it was like, oh, this is your brain and it's called ADHD brain wiring. And I was like, oh, thank God, there's an explanation. Yeah. So that's a little bit about me. And as we, we go further, I'll, I'll, I'll go into the details more. So is that? Yeah, no, that's that good. Time? So tell, tell us when you were diagnosed. You said you're diagnosed later on in life. And were you diagnosed with a type? Yeah, interesting. So I was in, I had my little girl at the age of 40, Okay. which I call her my little miracle baby. And, and it was intentional. The pregnancy was in, it, we wanted to have a baby and a year and a half after having her, I remember this time I was walking my dog and her we were going, we were going for a nice walk. It was like a spring day. And on the way back home, suddenly I felt like I was standing in super glue and I couldn't walk. I couldn't take the next step. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? 
And, and I was panicking, then anxiety kicked in and my daughter's looking at me, I'm looking at her like, oh, mama can't move. I made a phone call to my sister who lived next door at the time. And I'm like, you got to come and get me. And she's like, come on, man. It's like Saturday morning. I'm sleeping in what's going on here. And I was like, no, I can't walk. I can't walk back. There's something like gripping me. And it was just anxiety. And it was just really weird. So she came, rescued us. We went home and I sat and I said, this is not okay. Something is really wrong here. What is happening? And I was having dark thoughts too of, of just, I couldn't cope with motherhood. Yeah. My little girl was um, five months when I went back into corporate. So I didn't do my whole mat leave in Canada. We have like a whole year of mat leave. Nice. I five months. I was like, yeah, let's go back to work. Cause I can do it. You know, I, I'm a little trooper here. No problem. So all of that sleep deprivation, managing massive projects, it all kind of combined into this nice little bomb that went off in my head that day. Mm. And it's interesting because every time I would go to my family doctor, it felt like I was in her office like every other week with some sort of a breakdown, a meltdown. And a few times she had hinted at me taking a questionnaire. I think it's about 18 questions or so on ADHD. And every time she gave me, she wanted me to do it. I'm like, what are you talking about ADD? I don't have ADD. I've, I'm not hyper. Isn't it for kids? All I knew about the four letters was that it's for kids, yeah. that, um, you know, it's for boys, literally. And I know you hear this. Your listeners are like, oh, here's another one. But that was my small-minded lack of information <laughs> at that point in my life. It wasn't something that I wanted to research. So it was just never there. So one day I'm like, okay, give me the damn paper. Let me look at these questions. And as I looked at the questions, the interrupts often doesn't finish projects, doesn't end, uh, doesn't have a way of starting projects. Like everything, I'm like, this is ADHD. She goes, yeah. And at that time, I was getting in trouble a lot in boardrooms where I was interrupting top executives. I was just like, I was interrupting the CEO of the company. And they were like, always after every meeting, it was like, I would have a talking to of Kathy, you need to stop this. You're one of our awesome executives, but could you just not interrupt people all the time? So it was really getting bad and I couldn't figure it out. And then when I was like, oh, it's because it's my brain, it takes over and it's not me anymore. So that was the day where the diagnosis, I'm like, okay. Then she was like, okay, we're going to give you medication. I'm like, okay, what do we do? I went into fix it mode. I am a 10 year recovery cancer, kicked its ass. I conquered it. And I was like, okay, just like that, I'll fix this one too. Let's fix it. So I went into the fix it mode mindset right. and she gave me the medication and she was awesome. And I actually have her on my podcast where she talks about, you know, trying different medications, seeing what works. We're going to start small dosage. I did have the hesitancy and the fear that I was misdiagnosed. I call it now misdiagnosis of depression, mild depression. Okay. And I was on antidepressants at some point. I'm like, if it's like antidepressants and I have to wean off of it and wean on it and all that stuff, I'm like, I don't want this. And she said, with ADHD, it works within days. You either will know right. or it'll have major side effects. And we may even say that you may not even have, medication may not be your thing because of the way your body will metabolize the medication. So that kind of put my mind at ease. Then 
came medication and I tried, I, I did, I was one of those people, tried three different types. The third one was my jam. And then the rest is history. It's like, okay, nice. now I know about my brain. There was a time that it was like, what do I want to do with my career? Now that I know the capacity at which this brain can operate. I think most of my life, I was under this expectation for myself of, I was used to the grind. I was yes. used to the nine to yes. five hustle. And yeah. I'm like, this is just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And I work well under stress. I wore that t-shirt. I was like, mm -hmm. that's me. But then realizing, okay, that's really not healthy. I mean, that's why cancer at 35, it was just, I was burning myself to, to that mm -hmm. degree. So I had to do that soul searching. And I decided one thing I loved about corporate was mentoring. I led really amazing teams and, and most of my teams, they, they all went into doing some amazing things themselves. So I really leaned into the coaching side of it and brought that, you know, 20 years of just managing awesome kick-ass people and learning the art of leadership. Yeah. And then I twisted it with, now let me go learn about ADHD. So I went into the ADD Coach Academy and I really learned the, the science behind it. So I bring those two together. So when I'm coaching... I'm coaching not only the ADHD side, but also the mindset of the person and what's going on with the autopilot, so-called, that they've mm -hmm. created for themselves. And how do we go into that from autopilot to the driver's seat? That was really cool. Right. So were you with a, or did you get diagnosed with a specific type? For me, I did not get a diagnosed with a specific type. So I'm just, that's just more curious. Oh, thank you for getting back to that. See, I forgot. The specific type, no. But then what I did is um, there was a little questionnaire, I think, on Attitude Magazine has mm -hmm. a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. That one kind of gave me combined. So for me, so, so there's different ways of the diagnosis, right? There's like the family physician that goes, here's a questionnaire, do that. Right. And then there's the extensive diagnosis right. where it's like, five hours long and they do a whole interview of your whole family and it's thousands of dollars. I didn't feel the need to do that because I knew myself so well enough that I'm like, I got it. This is it. Like it. And, and one thing, my family doctor, she, because she had my history, she knew like, she's like, this is not yeah. something that it came because you were late in life pregnant. And then it was because of this, it's just, there were so many uh, things throughout my life yeah. that just kind of led up to this point. So I personally think I'm combined ADHD. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So let me ask you, when you got that diagnosis, how did you feel? You know, some people go through grief. Some people like me, it felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders because it, I was just connected to what was going on my, in my life. What were your emotions? What did you feel when you got that diagnosis? Yeah. In, in her office, it was relief. It was like, you know, the explanation. And then it was a few days of, well, now what, what would mm -hmm. that mean to being a mom? And what does that mean in, in working at work with, with corporate, with, yeah. with what's going on with managing my team. And it was the, at the peak of my ADHD. Like I was just, I felt like I was a different person than 10 years before that diagnosis. Right. And as you age, it just, the brain starts to do funny things to you. It's so like my working memory, my memory was like just all over the place. So it got a little scary. 
there was a short amount of time of the what if I had known earlier, mm. you know, there was that part. And then I'm like, well, I didn't know. And I did all these cool things. So, okay. Dealt with that it thought pretty quickly. Um, so I, I didn't have any regrets of, I wish I had known earlier. Cause I, I just, I was always one of those people that always did whatever I wanted to do and leaned into the, I was to my curiosity a lot. I have a lot of curiosity for life. So yeah, the emotions were mixed and really it was the crossroads of what do I want to do with my, the next 10 years of my life, the next 20 years of my life. So it was to, to really reset and mm -hmm. figure out what the rest of it looks like and really getting out of autopilot. And I, I heard this phrase somewhere. It was accidentally have being successful to leaning into intentionally being successful. Mm -hmm. Right. So then it's like, okay, now every choice I'm going to make, every decision I'm going to make, it's going to be intentional. There's a reason behind it. Yeah. No, I love that. So if somebody is struggling, they're in their 40s, they've been dealing with what they've been dealing with for all of their life. For me, you know, I got diagnosed, as you know, at 45 years old, now being 46. I'm glad I got the diagnosis, but I really got it because I saw it in my children. I saw a lot of myself in my children, right? So mm -hmm. I had no struggle about going forward and getting tested, but there are people that do struggle with that. And it could be, does it really matter right now? It could be stigma, it could be labels. I mean, there could be so many reasons why they're struggling. What would your advice be to someone who's going back and forth on whether they should even bother getting tested or not? Yeah, it's such a good question because I even hear it in, in our social communities of like, well, everything you guys are saying, it makes sense. Does that I relate? Should I go get tested now? And here's what I say. Um, my thing about this is I came to that, like, remember, the doctor kept saying, Kathy, can we just do this diagnosis? I was resisting. I'm like, I don't want another freaking label. I don't want another, <laughs> this is it, and then I'm going to give you some medication for it. But then it came to the point where I couldn't function anymore. Mm -hmm. So then when I couldn't function anymore, I'm like, okay, what is it? Give me a label for it so that I know what to do next. Makes sense. And I'll decide whether that label makes sense for me or not and what I want to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to be in charge of it, right? Because I was kind of burnt with the depression diagnosis. I was like, I will do my due diligence to make sure this time it resonates fully and not be like, yeah, give me the medication. But the point is go for the diagnosis when you feel like I need a better understanding of my brain. I Because there is the science behind this. There's the neurology. It's like if you're left-handed and then all of a sudden people are saying you need to start being right-handed, well, why? And why do I have to do that change to, and then what will it do for me? And, and just understanding what are the next two steps after it? Yeah. So it's, okay, you go get the diagnosis and then what do you want to do with it? Some people do nothing with it. I've, mm -hmm. I have clients that are like, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed six years ago. All I did was read up on it and then I put it away and I moved on with my life. And that's totally okay too, because at that point in their life, that's what they wanted to do with the information. So I guess there's no right or wrong, Yakini. There's no like clear path, but know that if you are struggling so flipping hard at least just go get some answers yeah. and then sit with those. And so every step, it informs the next step, right? And I've had people that are like, I was diagnosed three years ago, but I didn't take any medication. Now I think I want medication. Okay, great. 
let's try it and see what happens, right? So it's, and the, also I, I find that you have to be emotionally, logically, intuitively ready for the next thing. If you're not ready, I, this is kind of like coaching. If, if clients come to me and say, I want to be coached, I'm like, if you're not ready for it, it won't work. I can't force you into it. Right. There's something to be said about that, that yeah. thinking brain, right? That if, if you're just kind of coasting and not applying it, okay, don't waste your time. Right. So, so that's that for me, I, I hope that answers. There's mm-hmm. just, there isn't a clear one way or the other. Just know that if you're not functioning, go do something about it first. Right. And I like that because the biggest thing is you, it's your choice, right? Whether you want to go one way or the other. I think some people feel like, oh my goodness, to your point, now I'm around this community and I feel like now I have to go get tested. No, you really don't. Because if there's not a reason, for example, medication, or you want to put um, specific strategies in place that helps you by knowing that you have ADHD, you still can put strategies in place, even if you think you have ADHD. I mean, there's just a lot of things you can do. And when I say strategies where having the ADHD diagnosis helps is like, for example, my child is on an IEP and Mm -hmm. he was able to get on the IEP because he has the ADHD diagnosis. And if he wasn't able to get on the IEP or there wasn't a reason for him to get the diagnosis, then I wouldn't have moved forward to get the diagnosis or get tested. So it really is up to you and nobody should ever feel pressure to be tested. Yes, there are so many benefits or could be, but to your point, if you're not going to do anything with it, then, you know, it's not a have to. So, yeah, so I do like that. All right. So Kathy, I want to get into our next topic about negative self-talk. Um, why do you think we as ADHDers tend to fall into negative self-talk? Well, actually, I should take a step back. Do you see us falling into negative self-talk? And if so, or if not, why? Mm-hmm. Good one. This is a this is a good one. So everybody has this like gremlin they some people call it the gremlin some people call it the monkey at the dr amen calls it the ants um there's all sorts of names for this little i call i call her my messy roommate who is loud as hell in my head she is loud as hell in my head i love that but yeah but she's also my creative genius Mm -hmm. so so you know that's how i i got along with my friend in my in my head she's my roommate um the noise is there. And I think ADHD or not, that is just a byproduct of just years. And depending on your age and however, however old you are listening to this is just think about how we were raised, the society, the, the friendships, the type of work, all of that accumulates, accumulates. And over time, you've got this, this, this little chatter going on in your head. Now, there's different reasons for it. For ADHDers, recently I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ned Hallowell, and um, we talked about the, the science behind it and what happens with an ADHD brain. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of that too. Um, and his in his book ADHD 2.0, he really breaks it down as to what happens with this rumination and kind of catastrophizing and things like that. So I'll give you a a, a little bit of a sneak peek into it, but yeah, there's some of that there's, so there's two folds. There's the science that we'll talk about. And then there's the, 
the years and accumulation of beliefs yeah. and assumptions and interpretations and all of that that is also there. And also your own experiences. They they say researchers, researchers say that by the age of seven, this little gremlin starts to form and it forms when something really impactful. I, want, I don't want to say it, it doesn't have to always be traumatic, but something really major happened in your life where your brain kind of disassociated, created this persona and says, oh, we're going to make sure this doesn't happen to you again. And it starts to create this um, forming of, I'm going to protect you if you ever end up in this situation again. Mm. So it's always doing this protective kind of a thing to keep you safe. So the inner critic comes in when you're about to go to the next job. Well, wait a second. It's fear, right? It wants to protect you. So it's like, wait a second, you have the right skills. What if they don't like you? And da, 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 da. And then it goes into that. And then you're like, okay, fine, I won't do it. The inner critic goes, job well done. I protected you. See, you're safe. So then it's, so then, then you gave in to, right. the, to that little gremlin. So that's one way to look at it. I'm going to pause and, and we'll go into the science of it. But what do you think? Yeah, so that's that's really interesting because I just think about as you're talking about it, I had flashbacks, right? All of those situations where I did, it was almost like beating myself up that I'm not good enough. And it was usually when I was, I already had the job, especially if, you know, me being an engineer, well, I graduated engineering and I was an engineer in my first job. And I was, you know, sitting at the table with, all white men. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I felt by the energy that I was not good enough to be there, even though I knew I was educated, I was smart. I caught on very quickly, but that talk in my head used to drive me crazy. And I would go home always saying, do I really deserve this? I mean, am I really good enough to be here? And it took years. It took years. It took some therapy. It took some uh, support from my parents, friends. Um, but it took a while to really get into a place where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am definitely good enough to do X. I don't even need to, um, I don't even need to second guess myself. Now, if I'm not good at something, that's fine. Right. Mm -hmm. I can have somebody else fill in that gap, you know? So like if I'm owning a business, eventually I'll have an admin that will take care of certain things that are some of my struggles. That is okay. I'm okay with not being good at something, but it doesn't mean I'm not good enough. But even today after that, every once in a while, something sneaks in, but the mo oh, but at sure. least it's not like daily, like it used to be. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. One of the things um, I, I do with my clients, there, there's, there's an assessment that I have that I, I love this assessment of. I, it's kind of like a Myers-Briggs, but not really. It's, it's an attitudinal assessment and it, and it measures your perspective into the way you view the world. So, and it has about seven levels and, and it shows under a good day, in what lens do you see the world in? And if we look at it, the very first lens is very victim-y, like yeah. it's on, it's done to me as opposed to, you know, and then the second one is all anger and third is rationalization and fourth is compassion and then on and on it goes. Um, at any point in, in our day, we go through those, those peaks and valleys of those kind of energy and those kind of thoughts, right? But it's, if we have a growth mindset of, okay, this is where it is. 
Let me see what I want to do. What is that emotion informing me? So we don't go into this fake positivity of just, just give affirmations and it'll go. No, it doesn't go away. <laughs> I don't do affirmations anymore because once I understood, I'm like, no, it's the belief inside. What do I need to address? So, and it goes into a bit of that cognitive behavior therapy of here's my thought. Here's, it creates the emotion and the emotion creates the behavior to just kind of check in with that, to say, okay, well, that imposter syndrome that, or that imposter talk that happened, what is it saying to you? What is it informing? What emotions are coming up? And if the emotion is to, you know, is it a skill? M- maybe you kind of didn't qualify to be there. We don't know that. Or maybe, no, it's not the skill. It's just the thought and being able to process that. And now here's with ADHD, what I find when we do this with somebody else that can create that safe space of I'm hearing this Yakini and then they're saying it back back to you this powerful thing and ADHD or not, this is the art of coaching or the art of uh, reflective kind of conversations. If you do it with a best friend that kind of gets you without any judgment, it's so beautiful to be able to walk through the process and hear yourself saying it. And the minute you hear it, the adult in you goes, Oh, right. That sounds pretty BS. But the little in you goes, but I want to keep you safe. So, and this is what I do with my clients at that point is who's in charge, the adult who has much more um, longer life experience or the little one inside that's just scared shitless. And what do you do to that little one? You nurture it, you hug it, you you say, it's okay, I got you. We're just going to do one step. And that's one technique that I over and over work with my clients on in self-compassion, the leaning into then when those assumptions are coming in, when those interpretations are coming in, if somebody eye rolls, you're like, oh my God, they hate me, right? But what if they have a twitch and their eye rolls actually? What do you do? You don't know that. So it's it's to lean into the curiosity to, I wonder what's going on here. What specifically do I need to ask as opposed to this conversation that happens? Yeah. I love that. I I love that. (laughs) So did you want to share a little bit about what you had learned from Dr. Hallowell? So that's the mindset of it. Then what Dr. Hallowell talks about is the two parts of the brain that, 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 that kind of work back and forth in, in doing and creating and dreaming. So he calls it the task. Oh, well, not he, the science says there's the task positive network in our brain that is in charge of focus and doing. So we're sitting down, like right now, our TPN is activated. We're having a conversation. There's, there's some doing going on, but also there's the other side of the brain that is the default mode network, which is in charge of the creativity, the problem solving. These two kind of work hand in hand. So right now, both of our TPNs and DMN is activated back and forth. We're having a conversation we're doing, and it's great. Life is good. In a neurotypical brain, these two communicate back and forth. It's harmony in an ADHD brain. When we start the doing, so let's say I'm working on an episode, I'm doing an episode, I'm writing the content. And as I'm writing it, I'm activated. I'm doing the TPN is active. 
The DMN is the default mode network is thinking about, okay, we're going to structure it this way and it's going to look like this. And then wait a second, what if they don't like it? What if I can't do this? What I don't want it. So you see DMN starts going into catastrophization because it's now so it's, it thinks about the future and it starts to go into the well of despair or it, it goes into the past and well, did they like the past episodes and what, how, and, and oh my gosh, I didn't get any reviews the last time. So it starts to mm. go into rumination in a typical brain. The TPN will say, stop it, come back. We're focusing in the ADHD brain. This toggle, this switch is broken. So once the DMN goes there, it's gone. Gotcha. So that's where the rumination really sucks in. It's like, wait a second, I started the task. I was on. How the hell did I get over here? And so that's when I say, it's not you. It's now your ADHD brain wiring that's getting in your way. So to really be then be compassionate with yourself to say, okay, now it's the science. It has nothing to do with freaking growth mindset and managing my gremlin. This is now... This other thing is activated. And what he says to do is literally um, interrupt the pattern, interrupt the behavior. Mm. So to walk away and go get a drink of water, walk away and go do another doing so that your TPN gets activated again, saying, oh, Kathy is doing another thing. She's focusing on another task. Recalibrate. So it's interrupting it in that moment. So and if we don't do it, and the other thing that I asked him, I said, isn't it interesting? Because the other thing also gives you dopamine to your brain. It's like, this is very entertaining to you. It's like, I'm suffering over here. So, and that's where I also say is make sure you're chasing the right kind of dopamine, mm. right? It's, it's now in there. And some people don't want to snap out of it. They're like, I kind of like it here. Let me just ruminate a little bit more. And it's like the self-inflicting thing that happens. Sometimes yes. I do it and I stay in it. And I'm like, I just want to be woe me for a while. <laughs> I'm tired. And honor it. You know what? It's okay. But know that at any point in this, and I always talk about this with my clients, there's awareness, then accepting it for what it is, and yeah. then making the conscious choice. So, okay. so then, then you're consciously choosing, I'm going to stay in it, or I'm going to interrupt the pattern, go take the dog for a walk. go wash the dishes, two dishes, something, anything little tiny bit to just interrupt it. So that's the other piece that I really wanted to share. And thank you for giving me the space to share it. No, no, that's good. Because actually that talks into some of how do we manage or break that habit? What are your suggestions in terms of how can we break that pattern? How can we change our negative self-talk altogether? So like I said earlier, it took me years to get to that point. Right. And now I feel stronger for it, but it took years. So how can somebody move through it a little bit quicker if it's possible? What are some of your, some tips and tricks? So one of the things I would say, so to just kind of bucket it into categories is check in to see if you're making assumptions, because sometimes it could be just assumptions that you're making left, right, and center. This is the way it's been. It's always going to be like this. Da 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 da. And most of the time, assumptions make an ass out of you and me, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's to really be be sure that these are assumptions and what facts do I really have? Most of the time, it's going to be hard finding the facts. And also, since you're in this, if you're listening to this, you're in this journey of self 
health. You're in the journey of finding new ways to help yourself. So that's why you're listening to Yakini's podcast and this conversation. So yay, step one, you're, you're doing something towards it. And then with the assumptions is to say, okay, I know my past. I know that there was facts. There was data, Kathy, like there, I have clients that are like, I know this is how I've been, but then this is you now. And what's one step you want to do to try and experiment? I'm always like, I make my clients to be mad scientists. I'm like, put on your coat. We're going into the lab. We're going to have an experiment. And it's to really break it down to what's that first step and what's the first step going to inform after we do that first step. It's to never do the whole thing because they're like, I want to change my career. But wait a second. Let's just go see what's out there. Maybe there's nothing really out there right now. So it's just one step at a time to break it down because the brain wants to know the entire thing. And when it doesn't know the entire thing in detail, it starts to catastrophize it and fill in the blanks itself. So we need to fill in the blanks for it. So assumptions is one to really check in the assumptions. The other one when uh, the negative talk kicks in is is the interpretations, to check in on the interpretations. Like, what are you interpreting out of the conversation you just heard? The other day I was in clubhouse and I said something and then the person, the way they recapped what I said, I'm like, that's not what I said. Oh, did he not like what I said? And oh, well, oh, maybe I shouldn't speak up next time. Like I went into my head so quickly, but actually he then later sent me a message. I really liked what you said. I'm like, oh, Kathy. So I catch myself too, right? To be able to know, right. I'm interpreting something that I really don't know what it is and to just sit on my hands and wait and see how it unfolds Right. or ask the questions like, Sally, I see you look pissed off in that meeting. Was it something I said or are you really having a bad day? Which one is it? Right. As opposed to we just make up these stories and we think we are right. Like we are so right and there's no wrong out of it. So just to really check it on the interpretations. The other pattern is when, and I actually have had people say, how do I know I'm going into rumination? Mm -hmm. How do I know when I'm going into catastrophization? I'm like, think about it. You're doing a task. You were totally activated. And now you're thinking about the past of all the woes me. And you're thinking about the future and all the fear of it. You're in rumination, my friend. And you've been in it for a while. (laughs) So it's to then interrupt it get out of it, snap out of it. I think these, and then the fourth, sorry, is that inner child, that inner critic that's coming in. What is it informing? What do you need to do? Maybe that inner critic is like that inner child is like, dude, I'm exhausted. You've been running us ragged for a whole week. So now I'm just a whiny little kid in there. And there's a reason it's like, it wants to break. So just give yourself a break. I love that. <laughs> I, you know, it all sounds very commonsensical and very like practical, but in the moment of it, this self-talk, this rumination is so heavy that it really can can take a toll, right? And yeah. especially if you've been grinding and operating under stress and under adrenaline and cortisol, that is kind of our norm till we start paying attention to it. The inner critic is going to be there, but then once you know it, you can kind of snap out of it quicker. Like you said, it could be days, it could be hours. It's like, okay, what's the one thing? And therapy, talk therapy, coaching, 
safe places, all of that to just kind of park it. Those, I think, are helpful. So taking a step back, why do you think that we fall into negative self-talk? One thing was was the whole, the science behind it, right? right. The, the neurology that we talked about. And then the other is the assumptions, the beliefs, the, everything else that we've acquired along the way um, as, as we've been growing and be getting into adulthood. So I think part of it is um, uh, there's this thing about keeping up with the Joneses, I think, for, especially for ADHDers is I got to keep up with my colleagues. So what do they do so I can go by their blueprint and, you know, how are they addressing things? Okay, I'll do the same thing until we really start to think about, well, what is it that I want to do and how do I want to be yeah. is, is then this inner conversation, this chatter continues on because in your heart of heart, you know, there's a better way. But then you're like, oh, okay, let me just do it their way because it seems to be the way to do. Um, so I think part of that is is that, and also living up to other people's expectations. And even though I didn't know early in life I was ADHD, I was always trying to like impress others, especially my parents. Um, so I, I was always pushing myself harder and trying harder. And and if I didn't, you know, get the degree that my dad wanted, then I beat myself up for it. And oh, I'm such a bad child. But I remember in my mid-20s, I really went into this self-discovery of who am I, what do I want to be? So I've always been against the grain of, of how, you know, we should be and, and to honor that. So either you catch it early in life and you start to say, I, I don't want to go to this way and constantly are, you know, in this uh, I want mm, contemplation or evaluation as opposed to, you know, oh, here's the negative thought again. So I, I like to say, instead of it thinking as a negative thought, and I'm tangenting here for a second, is think of it as I'm having a moment of contemplation. Mm -hmm. I'm having a moment of evaluation. And, and let's do it the healthy way, which before I talked about the assumptions and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is it gets there because we're trying to be something that we're actually truly not meant to gotcha. be. Okay. That, that makes perfect sense. So how do we, so now we're at a point, so like me, like I told you, I'm at a point where I'm pretty good, right? I'm pretty good in terms of my mind going to places where it doesn't need to go. So I'm pretty good in terms of the negative self-talk. But as I also shared with you, every once in a while, I have a thought here and there. How do we keep ourselves from going backwards? Once we feel like we're in a good spot, how do we stay there? Mm. Uh, I'm going to give you a controversial answer, maybe that you were like, really? That's your answer. <laughs> um, I don't think we should aim for that. Mm. My humble opinion. I think the minute we're like, okay, let's make sure we don't go there. Mm -hmm. Cause I think it does have a purpose. It is informing something and to be in it so that it's so because then then it's like fake positivity it's not always right. unicorns and rainbows yes. like please it ain't <laughs> i also feel like if i say that that i'm putting a certain expectation on myself mm. like it becomes this new standard that i honestly don't want to live by all the time it's hard it, it's mm -hmm. it's it's work but what i will say is it'll come but is how much do I want to be in it? How mm. long do I want to be in it? What is it impacting? 
right? Is it going to really stop me in my tracks? But sometimes I think it's there so that we can manage our impulsivity, for example, and, you know, not jump into everything. So sometimes it's there to be like, whoa, what are you trying to do here? Let's not, because we are impulsive. So I think it, it serves a good purpose. It's just knowing how to fine tune it so that you can actually catch it for its good and not for its evil. <laughs> that, that's my humble way of looking at it. Because the other way of saying, how do I not be there? I, I, that gives me a little bit of like, oh, that, that's pretty out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's natural. And especially if, if your brain wiring does that to you, sometimes it's not your mindset. It's the freaking brain wiring that's going to do it. And then why fight it? Just catch it enough so you know what you have to do next. Yeah, that makes sense. So just to close up, is there anything that we didn't talk about? Any final comments that you have for the audience? Um, yeah, I, I would say the thing that I've been going with these days is to truly, so to recap it, lean into your curiosity and get curious about what is going on? Why is this happening? Get information, get data. If, if you're in rumination, if you're in assumptions is, is understand what's going on around you, especially like at work, if you're an entrepreneur with your business, get curious to see why you are where you are right now. What is this, this negative talk that's happening? What do you really need to address and sit down? Hmm. And it takes bravery to do that. And you are brave enough and you can do it. And sometimes the answers are, they'll come to you much quicker, but it's just to sit down and pause and say, what's happening here? The other is self-compassion. Like I said, it's it's to, yeah, there's going to be days where I'm going to be in rumination. There's going to be days where negative thinking comes in right. and just, you know, give yourself some grace and some love and we all go through it. It's just, the it's life, man. It's like freaking COVID <laughs> still here. Yeah. You know, so if if you want to have some negative talk about that, okay, go ahead. It's fine. Um, So give yourself some compassion around that and be okay with it. And the third is talk to someone, get these thoughts out of your head. You need to talk it out. I cannot emphasize that enough. Sometimes a message to someone's like, oh, thank God, I just had to vent about that and I'm done. But don't do it too much because if then you're venting too much, you're activating the DMN even more. So just enough, and you can even be disciplined to tell your friend, time me 10 minutes, I'm going to vent. My, um, one of my mentors used to say, I'm giving you 15 minutes of BMW, bitch, moan and whine, go. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, give me that BMW for 15 minutes. Let me take it for a ride. And it was like 15 minutes and then you're done. Any more than that, then you're feeding the demon. So, so don't yeah. do that. So yeah, talk it out, say it out loud. Just it's out of your chest, out of your head, just to just kind of offload all of this cognitive load that we constantly put on ourselves. So yeah, thank you so much, Yakini. This was awesome oh. conversation. Yeah, no, and I love that. And I actually love that closing comment because I think about the times where when I need to get something off my chest, when it is negative self-talk, I just say it and then I'm done with it. To your point, I don't go on and repeat it because that's not the purpose. I don't want it to be in my system. I want it to be out of my system. And so having that throughout my life or, or practicing that, I taught the same thing with my daughter. 
When you are in a moment, if I am not around, go talk to your guidance counselor, go talk to your big, I mean, whoever you can reach out to get it off your chest and then let it go. And she has surprised me and has done that. I mean, she is 12 years old. And there's a couple of times where she was dealing with some issues at school. And that's exactly what she did. She went to the guidance counselor. She got it off her chest. And she's like, mommy, I felt so much better after that conversation. So so I love that. I truly, truly believe in that. And so also, if people have any more questions for you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, they can go to my website, readysetchoose.com, because it's all about making choices. Um, You'll find me there. There's a link to my podcast, Proudly ADHD is on there. And I would love to have you on my show, Yakini. So let's do a bit of an exchange of guesting here. Yeah, those are some of the ways you can find me. Okay. And any resources that you've used throughout your journey? So you mentioned ADHD 2.0, but are there any other resources via podcasts, YouTube channels, books, um, anything you can share with the audience that you used? Honestly, most of this stuff has been through bits and pieces here and there. But the biggest one, I really, really these days, I highly recommend Dr. Ned Hallowell's book because I feel like this this new one that he's done, it's like a little handbook for ADHD. So if if you're recently diagnosed, if you've been diagnosed for a while, he just talks about some really good stuff in there. So ADHD 2.0 by Dr. Hallowell and John Rady, I think is... I would say go there first. Um, There's some awesome articles on Attitude Magazine as well on negative self-talk. If you just research or Google negative talk, there's a whole bunch of awesome goodness stuff there as well. I love that that portal for for us ADDers. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Kathy. Thank Thank you. you. And thank you for being patient with me. What the audience didn't see is my... my show going in and out. So, but thank you. I appreciate your time. That was so much fun and so informational. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Yakini. I appreciate you more than you know. Thank Thank you. you. Have a wonderful day. Bye, Kathy. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.